Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're asking, after the pardons, what comes next? On the 23rd of June 2021, after three and a half years behind bars, nine Catalan politicians and activists in jail for their roles during the 2017 independence push were released after receiving pardons from the Spanish president, Pedro Sánchez. As well as looking back on that historic day and the lead up to it, on this podcast we'll also be discussing what lies ahead with the return to negotiations between the Spanish and Catalan governments on the horizon. A little bit later we'll be hearing from Marc Sanjami Calvet, a professor of political science at the Open University of Catalonia, on why the Spanish executive took this decision to pardon the Catalan leaders. Within the independence camp, the pardons have been given a lukewarm welcome, seen as a half measure falling well short of the general amnesty that they've been calling for. With me now to guide us through all of this is Catalan News journalist Alan Reeve-Torol. Hi Alan. Hi Lorcan. There's lots to digest, lots to analyse, and a lot has actually happened just in the last week or so since these politicians and activists were freed. But why don't we start first, Alan, by just explaining quickly who these people are who were imprisoned and why they were in jail in the first place. We have to go back to the events of 2017. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, first of all, like their names. They are uh, nine politicians and activists. It's Uriel Junqueras, who was the former vice president, and then the former ministers Jordi Turull, Josep Rull, Joaquim Forn, Raúl Romeva, Dolors Bassa, the former speaker of the Catalan parliament, Carme Furcadell, and two activists, Jordi Cuixart, who is the president of Omnium Cultural, and Jordi Sánchez, who was the president of the Catalan National Assembly and now is the is a politician, he's a, the secretary general of Junts per Catalunya. So they were basically the, the two leaders of the main pro-independence organizations. But they weren't... They, they were into politicians. politics yeah. back in 2017. And they were actually the first ones to enter prison in September 2017. They were basically jailed for um, leading protests against the Spanish police attempts to halt preparations for the vote. And after they were jailed, the actual referendum was held. And after a month, more or less, there was the declaration of independence in in the Catalan parliament, uh, which was immediately suspended by the Spanish government. All the, the, the the Catalan government was sacked and the Madrid imposed direct rule, the, the Catalonia self-rule was, was suspended. And a few days later, these politicians were, were sent to, to prison. There was actually other politicians who were not in prison because they left Catalonia, um, such as Catalan president himself, Carlos Puigdemont, who um, is still in, in Belgium. There have been several attempts to extradite him, but so far uh, they have failed. And there were some ministers who were also convicted, but they didn't get like prison sentences. So they, they're now free. And the ones that were sent to jail, what exactly were they convicted for? They were convicted of sedition, which is an extremely serious crime in the Spanish criminal code. It, it's basically like leading um, like an uprising against the Spain's territorial integrity. And they got prison sentences uh, ranging from nine years to 13 years, like 13 years for Junqueras, who was the, the most senior official who was put on trial. And I said in the introduction that they've spent three and a half years in prison, but they were only convicted in 2019. So a lot of that was 
during the trial and actually a lengthy pre-trial detention as well. Yeah, there's actually a limit of two years that someone can spend in pre-trial detention. And the Supreme Court verdict was actually announced just shortly before uh, the deadline expired. And their time in jail was also marked by a kind of back and forth between the prison system in Catalonia and Spanish courts as to their kind of rights while they're in jail. You know, could they leave at weekends and and things like that? And of course, we should remember as well that when they were convicted, that sparked huge protests in across Catalonia uh, that lasted for a week. Yeah, I think that the importance of this ruling cannot be overstated in a way like it was extremely um, controversial and extremely consequential like both for Catalonia and for Spain as a whole to be honest. And it's been a long road to get to the pardons it might not be the end of the road the pro-independence camp are still calling for an amnesty but finally on June 23rd as we said the nine jailed pro-independence politicians and activists were freed. Let's have a listen. For the three and a half years Catalan independence leaders spent behind bars, their supporters never let them down. They would gather outside prison, sing them songs, and even wish them good night with a megaphone. They were there celebrating when the nine leaders were granted daily permits, and they protested when their prison privileges were revoked. But June 23rd was different. When the nine leaders would cross the prison gates, they would never have to go back inside, or so they hoped. By noon, exactly at 12 o'clock, Karma Furcadell was the first one to walk free. Furcadell was the former speaker of the Catalan parliament, the scene of a short-lived declaration of independence following an unauthorized referendum in 2017. The crowd waiting outside the Wadras prison rejoiced at seeing the politician free and almost took turns to hug her. Finally, she was able to speak to them. Avui és un dia d'alegria. It's a happy day, she said, especially for those of us who are leaving prison. But happiness will not be complete until repression ends and all people facing prosecution, like those in exile, can walk free. After Furcadell, it was the turn of the seven men held in the Lledones prison in central Catalonia. They came out raising their fists, waving an independence flag and holding a banner that read Freedom for Catalonia in English, fully aware that this was a scene for the world to see. There was even a stage from which they addressed the crowd. The first one to speak was Jordi Cuixart. The activist, sentenced for leading protests against Spain's attempts to stop the referendum, famously told the Supreme Court that he would do it again. And he was urging his followers to do the same. Former minister Kim Forn also took the stand. Our ideas haven't changed, he said. On the contrary, they are stronger than ever. The last leader to leave prison was Dulos Bassa, another former minister. Bassa said she was looking forward to waking up and going to bed whenever she pleased to choose what to eat for lunch. And more than anything, she wanted to swim in the Mediterranean Sea. Alan, it's very clear, listening to that, that many in the pro-independence camp feel that these pardons do not go far enough. Yeah, exactly. I would say that the, the official response of the Catalan government is like, okay, like we, we accept these pardons because they help ease some pain, but it's not a, a solution. What well, what many of these 
pardoned leaders were, were saying when they were released is that while these pardons will not solve the situation of exiled leaders, for instance, Puigdemont in, in, in Belgium, um, and also 3,000 people, this is according to some estimates by pro-independence groups, 3,000 people linked to the independence movement who face prosecution, basically, for their role in the independence beat. And for instance, just this week, we had this uh, ruling from the Court of Auditors in Spain, basically fining uh, more than 5 million euros to more than 30 former officials for promoting the independence beat abroad. And some of these officials actually included Junqueras, who, who, was, in, who was in prison, or, or Puigdemont. So it's like, it's, it's basically, they say, okay, we, we may be free, but this is not over. And also the fine print of the pardons themselves leaves a lot to be desired from the point of view of the people that were released. Yes, these are not total pardons. Um, on the one hand, they are partial, which basically means that well, the, the, the leaders are, are free now, but they're still barred from holding public office. And actually for, for a number of years, for instance, Junqueras, the former vice president, he's banned from holding public office until 2031. And on the other hand, these pardons are also reversible, meaning that if they commit new crimes, if they are tried and found guilty again of, of serious offenses, uh, these, these pardons will be suspended. And there's actually something that has been contested by some, by some people saying, no, no, if, if, if you pardon someone, you, you cannot suspend this, this, this pardon. And of course, the vast majority of these are politicians. So to be banned from public office is kind of like, well, what, what, what else are they going to do almost in a way? Yeah, it, so some of them are actually extremely active in, in, in politics. Like they're not in the government, they're not in the parliament, so they're not holding any public office. But for instance, Junqueras remains the, the, the leader of the Esquerra Republicana Party, the largest pro-independence party in Catalonia. And Jordi Sánchez, the activist-turned-politician, is the secretary general of Junts per Catalunya, the party led by Puigdemont. So some of them remain extremely influential in the pro-independence movement. So the pro-independence camp, not satisfied with the pardons, but what reasons, Alan, did the Spanish president, Pedro Sánchez, give for granting these pardons? Because he's faced opposition as well uh, in Spain. Yeah, definitely. His main argument, I would say, is that these pardons will help coexistence in, in Catalonia and also between Catalonia and Spain, there's a, a sentence, an idea that he repeated in several occasions, like in his televised address when the pardons were confirmed, and also in the, his um, speech in, in the Liceu um, Opera Hall in, in Barcelona. He said that while nine people are being pardoned, those who will benefit from the pardons are millions of people. Catalan, Spanish society, and especially the pro-independent supporters who felt that their leaders, their elected leaders, should not be imprisoned for basically delivering on their promises. Yeah, that was the kind of official line, if you like. But I also spoke to Marc Saint-Germain Calbet, who's a professor of political science at the Open University of Catalonia, and I asked him what might be the underlying political reasons that Spanish President Pedro Sánchez had for granting these pardons. 
I think there are two kinds of reasons. There is uh, obviously a strategic reason, but I also think that there is an ideological or a more uh, a different way of the Socialist Party to deal with this secessionist demand in Catalonia. The, the strategic dimension is probably the most important one in the sense that from a local point of view, we shouldn't forget that Pedro Sanchez has no majority and depends on supports from the Catalan minority in, in, in the parliament. And the second thing is that the same week that the pardons were decided, there was this important report from the Council of Europe saying that Spain should change uh, its approach and should liberate these uh, political prisoners. So uh, Spain was somehow on the spot in the international arena on human rights in Spain, and this was also very relevant. Thanks, Mark. One group that we've not really talked about so far is uh, Spain's right-wing parties, um, very much against the pardons. How do you think they'll use them, politically speaking? Yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the Spanish right-wing is behaving as expected. They are now in, in the opposition and they are doing what they are uh, specialized to do, what they, what they like to do. <laughs> which is uh, being the guardians of Spanish essence and Spanish nationalism. And there is a new dynamic here because the appearance of uh, Vox, there is a fierce competition on uh, who gets more uh, votes from these uh, right-wing voters. And the Conservative Party, the Partido Popular, is somehow caught uh, in between attracting these center-right voters and the most far-right voters. At the moment, they are choosing, competing with Vox on, on, in terms of Spanish nationalism. They are a big group altogether in the Spanish parliament and they, they block any possibility of, for example, reforming the constitution and providing some stability at some point. And I think... That's my impression. My impression is that the Conservative Party at some point should reflect on that and should think about uh, themselves as a party that governed Spain during, during many years and they should be able to provide a more responsible opposition on this, on this issue. But this is, not, this is not easy. Do you think what Pedro Sánchez has done will be a vote winner or a vote loser for him? personally, and his party? Well, this is, this is, why, this is why I think this, this has been very brave. His decision of supporting the pardons, and this has been a government decision from the executive branch against the judiciary branch, this is a very exceptional decision. Uh, as I said before, there is a strategy here. <laughs> he obviously wants, as any other leader, he obviously wants to keep power. And in order to keep power and to remain in power, he needs, he knows that he needs, at least in the short term, the support from the Catalan minority. Will this be a good decision? Will this uh, be successful for him? I don't know. A bad result would be that this decision excites uh, the right-wing voters and within two years they still remember about this pardon and this becomes a betrayal to the nation or something like that and in two years we see a conservative and, and, and far-right uh, government in Spain 
Another possibility is that this minority nowadays of Spaniards that supported the pardon convinced more people, and through Pedro Sanchez's leadership, more and more people become convinced that a new policy on the territorial issue in Catalonia should be pushed for a, a different path. Mm-hmm. And, and these people become convinced that this, is, this was a good decision. And, and he is also, there is also an important dimension here that we, we tend to forget. This is a coalition government. Uh, and the minority partner in, in the coalition, Podemos, is a party in favor of Catalan self-determination and against these people being in jail and people in general being repressed. So Pedro Sanchez took a, a, a brave decision in the context of partners that support this decision. We will see if this if this uh, if this is a success or a total a total failure. That was Marc Sanjaume Calvet, professor of political science at the Open University of Catalonia. Thanks again to Marc for speaking to us this week. Alan, Mark saying there that it wasn't an easy decision for Sanchez to make, but Jordi Cushart, when he came out of prison, said they're out because they couldn't keep us in prison for any longer, and there was a lot of pressure internationally. Yeah, um, for years there have been calls from human rights groups, for instance, Amnesty International. Uh, also, the, the United Nations Working Group on Arbitrary Detentions published repeated reports basically saying that the detention of the leaders was unfair. And the latest and perhaps the most important one was the Council of Europe calling on Spain to release the jail leaders. It was a, a report voted by a majority of 70 to 28 votes in the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of, of Europe. And this report also called, basically called the convictions disproportionate and said that the sedition, the crime of sedition, should be reformed. And also the, all the extradition requests for Puigdemont and other exile leaders should be withdrawn. Yeah, and the interesting thing about it was that that report was voted on the same day that Pedro Sanchez was given his speech in Barcelona. So yeah. I don't know how much we can read into the timing of that. Exactly. And Mark also mentioned the right-wing opposition in Spain to these pardons. And in fact, they've already started some legal appeals. Yeah, exactly. Catalan independence has been one of the most heated debates in in Spain. And right-wing unionist parties, uh, basically the People's Party, Conservatives, the Ciudadanos and far-right Vox, for these parties, Catalan independence has been one of the main rallying points, basically saying that it would destroy Spain and accusing Sánchez and his government of being traitors, of conceding to to pro-independence parties and pro-independence demands. They've even taken these pardons to to court, asking for the court to to overturn them. And so far, there's been an initial ruling from the Supreme Court, uh, basically rejecting their appeal for an urgent suspension. And this is not a final decision, but maybe this ruling shows that the Supreme Court may ultimately accept the pardons, even though this is the same court that originally sentenced them, and which just a few months ago, they said that none of these leaders should not be pardoned. Because they hadn't shown any remorse, they said. Now, it's been a busy week, week and a half since the prisoners were released. We had the first official meeting between Pedro Aragonés and Pedro Sánchez, the leaders of the Catalan and Spanish governments. How do you think it went? 
Yeah, so this meeting was announced shortly after the leaders were released. Sources from the Spanish government basically said that, okay, now the jail leaders are no longer a problem, so we can meet. And they did. They met in Madrid, the, the Spanish government headquarters, La Moncloa. And it was a, a long meeting. It was lasted more than, than two hours. And after the meeting ended, the Catalan president held a press conference he basically said that the meeting had shown or had proven that their positions are far from, from another. They have really different views on how to solve the, the Catalan independence conflict. But in a way, he was hopeful. He, he said that this negotiation, the, the one resuming now with the Spanish government, it's, it's probably going to be the most important negotiation ever faced by the Catalan government. And they've agreed to meet again, to resume the so-called negotiation table meetings. They'll do it in September. And, and well, well, we'll basically see. Pedro Sánchez has said since then, insisted on the idea that there will be no referendum, there will be no amnesty. Yeah, which are the Catalan government's two key demands, uh, an amnesty for everyone involved in the 2017 referendum push and a referendum on self-determination. Um, this week, Sanchez in Congress said that the socialists will never, ever agree to a referendum on self-determination. He says it's unconstitutional. But at the same time, Arganez says that there are ways to hold a referendum without changing the Spanish constitution. And Gabriel Rufien, who is um, Esquerra's spokesperson in Congress, uh, also came back to Sanchez basically saying, you also said that there would never be a pardon and look what's happened there. So kind of slightly trolling the, the Spanish president, I would say. Yeah, and right wing parties actually were like, how do you let yourself be humiliated <laughs> by the pro-independence parties? I mean, speaking of right wing parties, again, it is interesting to note that the Catalan leaders were imprisoned under a PP, um, Conservatives, the yeah, Mariano Rajoy. Yeah, uh, government, and now they've been released under a socialist government. So uh, there's the next Spanish election is in 2023, late 2023, if there's not a snap election. In a way, maybe it kind of puts a, a, a time limit on, on what can happen with these talks, because obviously there could be new administrations in place after that. Yeah, and there's something else that will happen over the coming years that is also very important, and is the ruling of the European Court of Human Rights on basically the appeals from these nine leaders against their, their sentencing. And, well, if, if the sentences are overturned by the, the, the court based in Strasbourg, it is a court, just to give some context, that is linked to the Council of Europe that has nothing to do with the, um, with the European Union. And if the sentences are reversed, this would be a major setback for the Spanish judiciary. So lots ahead. It'll probably be fairly quiet over the summer. I like when I was talking to Mark as well, he mentioned that he felt it was good timing from Sanchez to announce the pardons now, simply because it means that, you know, we can relax a bit over the summer as journalists, as political scientists. I, <laughs> like, I, I like that kind of Mediterranean <laughs> attitude, like these are big issues, but you know, we need to have our summer holidays. We'll come back in September and yeah. tackle this all again. You know that at the newsroom, you're not supposed to say, oh, it's, it's going to be quiet or it's a quiet day because like then that, that, that's when something big happens. That's, when the, that's, that's, that's Murphy's so I law. Hope nothing happens to Colorcan because I will blame you. <laughs> Time now for our Catalan phrase. What is it this week on? 
So the leaders were released on June the 23rd, that is the day and the night before San Juan, the eve of, of San Juan, where there, there's like these massive celebrations in, in, Barcel in Barcelona and elsewhere in Catalonia with fireworks. So I thought that it would make sense to, to find like a, a phrase related to, to San Juan. So for instance, you could say, Per San Juan, el primer bany, which is like, for San Juan, the first bath. The first, like, the first swim, we would say, no? The first, because if you're on, it's like, what, if you're on the beach and the fireworks, <laughs> fireworks we, are We hope up. that by, by June you've had a few baths already, no? Yeah, 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 <laughs> but, yeah. Per San Juan, el primer bany. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks, Alan, for joining me today. Thank you, Lorcan. Thanks to you for listening. If you want to get in touch with us about anything, email catlannews at acn.cat. We'll be back with another episode of Filling the Sink next Saturday. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catlan News, bye for now. Adieu.